Welcome to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, the ultimate film and TV podcast. We are your hosts, James and Anthony. This episode will be on Predator, released in 1987. Hello, movie friends. Welcome back to the show. We're so glad to be here talking about one of the greatest action movies of all time, Predator, a film that we grew up watching as kids. Our older brothers loved it, so we loved it. And we're just glad to be talking about a great classic action movie like this. We adore this movie. It's incredible and still holds up to this day. It's just a classic sci-fi action horror film. It is basically the most dangerous game with biceps and an alien. We love it. Arnold Schwarzenegger in his prime. The star, the biggest action hero probably of all time besides Tom Cruise as well. This was released in 1987, directed by John McTiernan. Written by Jim Thomas and John Thomas. It stars... Schwarzenegger, as well as Carl Weathers and Kevin Peter Hall as the Predator. Can we just talk about how impressive it is that John McTiernan directed both Die Hard and Predator, a couple of just the greatest action movies ever made? He's up there as one of the it's best incredible. action directors of all time. Yeah, it's incredible. And what's so great about both those movies, we were talking about this when we were watching it, just to recap it for the 15th time the other night, <laughs> that um, you know these old action movies... They were so patient, and they open up with no action at all, really, besides just setting up a story, setting up characters. They're, they're, they take their time, which is something that I really miss in a lot of action movies. You know, modern action movies, they start off boom, 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 so fast, scene. and you yeah. can't take a chance to breathe. But that's what I love about Predator is just like this. It's a great combination back, back and forth between store of eerie quietness and suspense and then bombastic action and music yeah it has a great build just like die hard where you're just learning about the characters and also the mystery that's unfolding and mctiernan did a great job with the slow reveals of both the aftermath of what the predator has been doing to people first you get the skinned bodies and then the guts and then in these slow reveals of what this thing is capable of and then we slowly get quick shots of it First with the invisibility cloak and then a invisibility cloak. Yeah, like that's, Harry that's what I'm calling it. That's what I'm calling <laughs> the it. Cloaking system. <laughs> and then we finally get and then we finally get the full reveal of the predator uh when after Arnie's in the water and the predator comes out of the water. That's the first full No no, no there's a there's a reveal. Yeah, but it's that. a quick one. It's just it's a quick shot. But this is like uh watching the predator for a couple of minutes interacting with the environment. We can get a really great look at its entire suit. But before that, there's another, there's a great close-up of it's basically Anton Chigurh repairing its leg like in No Country for Old Men. And we get the close-ups of its hands and, and the, the wounds and its like biomechanical stuff. It's just really terrific how these, uh, McTiernan slowly rolled out the alien. Can you guess how many minutes it takes for that first reveal when the his invisibility cloaking system is damaged from his injuries from the gunfire gun mm-hmm. in, wo- in the jungle? And then he's yeah, yeah. repairing himself. Guess how many minutes that is? In minutes into the movie? Yeah. I'm going to say 45 minutes. 53 minutes into wow. the movie, we finally get a glimpse at the Predator without his cloaking system, which is what's so great about this. It's like Jaws. You just take your time. There's no need to show everything right away, like which a lot of action movies make that mistake. Now, this film follows an experienced soldier and his skilled rescue team are hired by the U.S. government and CIA to secretly rescue a group of politicians who are held hostage by guerrillas in Guatemala. But when the team and a CIA agent land in in Central America, something is gravely wrong. After finding a string of dead bodies, the crew discovers they are being hunted by a brutal creature with otherworldly strength 
weaponry and the ability to disappear into its surroundings. On a low budget, this was very successful. $15 million budget, $98 million box office, and a spawn of sequels, video games, and just one of the greatest movie monsters of all time with The Predator. And that box office obviously doesn't, doesn't sound very impressive. And it, it is, it's a good box office. It's not like amazing, but this movie became a highly rented Highly bought DVD and VHS for decades, and there's a reason why Fox has been making so many Predator movies and blending it with this Alien franchise and just doing so much with the property because it is so beloved. And it clearly is one of their most successful properties that Fox owns because, yes, 200, like if you inflate $95 million, it's about $200 million today. But you get to factor in, like, they sold so many VHSs and DVDs as well as merchant posters of this movie. And it's still loved and it's yeah. iconic. Now, before we continue, the best way to support Raiders of the Lost podcast besides using our coupon codes is to become a patron at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost podcast. You get awesome perks like personalized videos, podcast shouts on the show. Every patron every week has access to a weekly bonus episode. We only post on Patreon. Our $10, $25, and $100 tier patrons have access to our Discord where we chat with you every day, do our weekly, do our watch parties as well. $25 and $100 tier patrons get their own custom episode. You pick the topic. We do it for you. And $100 tier patrons are the chosen ones. They are executive producers on the main episodes of the show. You can hear your name at the end of every main episode, as well as you get a private screening. And three months of that, you get to be a guest segment on the show. We also launched our podcast masterclass online course last year. So for anyone who wants to start a podcast or improve their current podcast, our 22 chapter 46 video lesson course to give you all the secrets behind the scenes of our show. The link is podcastmasterclass.teachable.com or just go to our website, raidersofthelostpodcast.com. It's right there on the homepage. Be sure to follow, subscribe, hit the notification bells, leave the five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, and you can also do that on Spotify. We really appreciate it so much. Now let's get back into our epic episode of Predator. Something that I love that's been happening with a lot of classic movies is they become they've been becoming memes in modern culture and like young audiences who haven't seen a lot of these older films, they'll they'll recognize the memes. Like I was talking with someone about American Psycho the other day and how they just watched it for the first time, but they have been seeing like obviously all the Patrick Bateman memes on both Instagram and TikTok. Like there that's one of the most popular video memes there is for movies is Patrick Bateman. And then when uh, they finally watch the movie, they're like, oh, I get all the memes now. They, they make sense to me now. And so obviously in this movie, it has another famous meme of modern culture. It's when Dutch and Dylan are basically doing their their upright arm wrestling. And the, the great meme of that, first there's a video GIF meme of them embracing. And then there's the meme of, uh, you, it's a shot of both arms. And then there's the three text, one on, a text on one bicep a text on another bicep, and then a text in the when the hands are joined. That's become a, an extremely popular meme, and maybe a lot of uh, younger people haven't even seen where this meme originates from, from this iconic scene. It's one of my favorite scenes in the movie, and I, for most of my life, I've been just we just yelled, Dylan! 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 You son of a bitch. You son of a... Whenever I meet someone named Dylan, I, I automatically think, Dylan. <laughs> it's iconic, and this whole movie is iconic, and it's from an era that is pretty much past, and... These weren't these kinds of movies aren't for everybody. They're not everyone likes to tune into them. You know, they're they're when studios would just have crazy action movies with a bunch of hyper masculine dudes with enormous arms and biceps and give them even bigger guns. And these movies, like I said, they're not for everybody. They're not made for everybody. If you don't like it, you don't like it. But you know what? 
they are so enjoyable. Yeah. And the Predator still holds up so well, like many of them do. And I think like these, a lot of generic action movies from the 80s and 90s, not that this is a generic one, they hold up so much better than modern day generic action movies because there's a more enjoyable. It has a rewatch value. But The Predator is actually really, really well-made movie. McTiernan is such an accomplished director and very skilled. And I mean, the first five minutes of this movie, there's no dialogue. We just have the great music from Alan Silvestri, who came up with such brilliant themes for The Predator because it's so bombastic. It's it's the jungle aesthetic. It's also like this the sound of like a predator hunting its prey, and it keeps you in suspensefully. It's kind of as it's as important to the movie as something like John Williams scores in Star Wars. What's really cool about the theme is it's one of the most legendary action themes, but it's like made with a piano. Yeah, that's made with a piano. It's amazing. It's it's really terrific how he did that. But I love the opening because you, we just see, you know, these are special ops soldiers. They're like the best of the best. They're just big, hyper-masculine dudes, and they're here to get the job done. And I like the intro. We don't need to have – we don't need to open with an action scene. Uh, I think a lot of films nowadays, action films, they open with an action scene. I think Fallout really came – embraced the former action trope of – Mission Impossible Fallout, not starting with an action scene, but starting with that great um, first the deal and then the hospital scene where Don't they get tri- the dream and the dream where they trick the um, the the villain. Oh, you mean the first Mission yeah, Impossible? Yeah, f- no, 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 no. Uh, okay, Mission so Impossible Fallout. Fallout where they trick the guy into revealing the code. There's no there's no action in that op- in the first 15 minutes of that movie, but it's one of the best action movies ever. You don't need to have a huge high octane thing to start the film out. Sometimes it helps, sometimes it doesn't. But I really like just enjoying like us learning who the characters are through their dialogue and through their action. And and we learn throughout the course of the film who each of these members of the team are, what makes them different, and each of their personalities. And all the, all the performers do a terrific job. This movie, I think it's really underrated for it's the amount of diversity in this film. There's a, an eclectic cast of uh, people from all different backgrounds and ethnicities. So I think they did a fabulous job of being inclusive back in the 80s. Exactly. In, in terms of dialogue, it's very minimal. Like, obviously, it opens up with barely any dialogue, just music. And then we get into the backstory of what's going on between uh, Dutch and his buddy um, Dylan. <laughs> Dylan. Dylan. I keep, I keep brain farting Got on his you name. pushing too many pences. <laughs> There's hardly any dialogue for the, for the rest of the film, and, except for when it's needed. There's not, like, unnecessary dialogue. And yes. the stillness of the jungle and the environment and the quietness is just as important as the dialogue in this film. That's why it makes it so suspenseful, so thrilling. And it's why it makes the Predator such a large threat for these characters. So the biggest dialogue scene is when the general is informing them of the background of the mission and what they need. And it's just him, Dylan, and the general. And that's five minutes of heavy dialogue. That's it. You're right. For the rest of the film, it's basically all action and reaction, and there's very little dialogue. But in terms of dialogue, this is some of the Arnold's most iconic lines and most memorable lines from Get to the Chopper and Dylan. There's just so many quotable ones in this film. And what I really love about this movie is because we grew up, like I said, with this, with a lot of Arnold's action movies, Stallone's action movies, Carl Weathers as well, as well with the Rockies. Uh, these these actors, they were our superheroes when we were younger. Yes, we we watched um, the, the Batman movies when we were kids. We had those on VHS, but we watched a lot of Arnold movies and we watched a lot of Stallone movies. And for us, that was our MCU. You know, those were the larger than life, uh, super powerful characters who were the, the heroic figures of filmmaking in big budget action movies. And it, it's interesting how it's transitioned into um, the superheroes are more popular than the actual actors because back then in the 80s and 90s, Schwarzenegger, he was he's one of the most successful actors of all time. And he was, I think, the first actor to be able to pull in $20 million contracts with his films. 
people would go see his movies because it was an Arnold movie. And all of his movies, um, they're all most of them are original properties, uh, original scripts. A couple of them are adapted from sci-fi novels like Total Recall. But I mean, this is an original story. Uh, uh, Commando is an original story. A lot of his great films were just like they're not franchises. They're not. They don't already have built-in audience. The same with Stallone. Stallone wrote a lot of his films, but they were highly successful. And it's it, I love that aspect of people went to see the actor. People went to go see the Stallone movie. People went to go see the Arnold movie. Uh, now people go to see the Spider-Man movie. It's interesting how the star powers transition from the actor over to the actual character the actor is playing. Because if you look at, if you look at a lot of the uh, comic book character actors, their movies outside of the comic book world – not streaming because I don't like to count streaming numbers because it's hard to tell what if a movie is successful based on uh, 20 million streams, but how long were they streaming the movie for? Based on box office, you can really see their movies kind of underperform when they're not in the suit. So I like this aspect of Hollywood stardom. It's kind of dead now. And it's Arnold. He's in yeah. his prime. He's he's so iconic. He's just sweating and just wearing a sleeveless <laughs> vest the whole time. Holding, the wardrobe makes no sense. Holding yeah. he's holding an enormous gun with a grenade launcher, and these weapons are massive. And and Arnold's actually the one who came up with the idea of it being a group of commandos. When he was originally approached, the original script for Predator was just basically going to be his character versus the Predator, and he came up with a more interesting idea because he's actually even though people think of of Arnold as just like oh I'm a big muscled guy i'm, I'm probably a very smart guy he's intelligent yeah. and you know he was governor obviously he, he was elected because he was the terminator but um he's he's still a smart guy and he can't he knows how to tell a story he he's actually more involved with stories and screenplays and in movies than you would think and again he came up with the commando idea because he thought it'd be a better story to tell for the audience to watch it's kind of like tom cruise is always heavily involved with the stories and, and the characters of the movies that he's in as well. So Arnold surprisingly made such a great decision for this film to t turn into an ensemble cast, which works so much better because if it was just one guy versus the Predator, it would have been a little more boring because that's obviously what's so great about the third act of the movie, the, the climax, the big battle between Arnold and Predator. It's just mono and mono. But it was so much more effective to save that for the third act of the film, open the first two acts up with a great story, great ensemble cast, all these characters that are so memorable. That's what I love about this movie and a lot of old action movies is there's seven, eight main characters in this movie. They're all memorable. They're all unique, whether it's Mac with his quiet whispering one-liners who's shaving his face at the same time or, or Blaine with his crude offensive one-liners that did not hold up well, obviously, today. But still, Jesse Ventura was just like the ultra-macho guy that you need in that role, Chewing like, whether tobacco. you like him or yeah. not. And then we have Sancho is, is a great – I mean, Poncho is a great character as well. And Shane Black, who made – the sequel, The Predator, and, and writer, he wrote uh, Iron Man 3 and Kiss Kiss Bang Last Bang, action director. Hero. so he's, yeah. a, he's a great director, writer as well, the, the nice guys. He's actually in this movie as well. He's the guy with the glasses, and so great cast. You remember every single one of them. Billy, the indigenous American one who's the hunter, the tracker, great one-liners as well and very spiritual. So they're all unique and different. You remember each of these characters for – I've always remembered. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Them. I yeah. know all their lines. Yeah. I know all their characteristics and habits. It's great. 
and what in having the ensemble and especially having this group of commandos and it's it's told to us a couple of times like they're the best dylan's like this is why you're here because no one else could pull this job off and they proved that when they take out that camp of rebels without getting a scratch on them except for uh, jesse ventura gets shot the bicep you're bleeding i don't got time to bleed <laughs> <laughs> but these are the best soldiers that exist and especially this team when they work as a team and that's what makes the predator so effective as opposed to it just being arnie versus the predator for the whole time because the movie becomes very special when it's arnie versus the predator the third act of the film it really sets it apart and makes it legendary but showing how incredible of a killer the predator is by taking out this team of the greatest soldiers that the country has to offer that shows how much how formidable of a foe the predator is so then when it's arnie versus him it's like damn he's there how is he gonna get out of this alive i always think that dutch is gonna die in the third act yeah of the film. i'm always fight. like watching yeah. it even though i've seen it at least a dozen 20 times this movie throughout my entire life every time it's him versus predator i'm like oh my god is dutch gonna make it out alive yeah. especially because what i what i really love about the final confrontation is like uh and we'll get into it more in a bit or we can just get into it now but when Dutch proves himself to be like a great fighter and, you know, probably the hardest human being that the Predator has ever had to fight or hunt before. I mean, who knows how often the Predators have been coming back to Earth and Since before. ancient times. Yeah, because we're actually doing this episode in celebration of Prey, the new Predator film, which we haven't seen yet, but we have high hopes for. It looks like a great trailer and a really terrific concept for doing uh, something new with the franchise. Hopefully it re rejuvenates some life into the franchise. But... I love in the final confrontation, the Predator uh, incapacitates Arnold and basically shows how powerful he is, lifts him up like two feet in the air with one arm. We just see just how strong this thing is. And then it drops Arnold down. And then um, what the Predator does is rather than just straight killing him because he could, the Predator instead takes his mask off and reveals himself to Dutch. And I think it was a really great moment. It might be my favorite moment of the film because, first of all, obviously the reveal of the Predator's face, which is... A terrific design, horrifying, so memorable, and one of the greatest movie monsters of all time. But in that moment, you know, the Predator is seeing, is, is showing its respect for Dutch because Dutch has proven himself to be a great hunter himself and defender. And so this is probably the only human that the Predator has revealed its face to because it's like, you know what? You deserve to fight me mano a mano. None of my guns. I'm going to take off my blaster. I'm just going to go fist to fist with you or claw to fist with you because you I you deserved a, a warrior's death and to really fight me in my bare bones stripped down. So I really like that moment of the fight. Love that fight. And we'll get into that later on. But how about we do a little background on the predator, the species, the alien in general? Yeah. I got a bunch of information. According to avp.fandom, the Yucha, known colloquially as Predators or hunters are an extraterrestrial species characterized by their hunting of other dangerous species for sport and honor, including humans and even xenomorphs. The Yucha are a sentient humanoid race that breathe an atmosphere similar to that of Earth's but possess a level of technological advancement far in excess of anything available to humans. The predators stalk and kill their prey using a combination of highly advanced technologies such as active camouflage, or like Anthony says, the invisibility cloak. Energy weapons combined with comparatively primitive traditional weapons such as blades, spears, and nets. The predators often ritualistically mutilate their prey and usually claim a trophy from their kills, usually the skulls and spinal cords sometimes. Capable of interstellar travel and starships, the predators have hunted on Earth for centuries and have also had prior contact with the engineers from the Prometheus and Alien franchise. 
Aside from their repeated conflicts with humans, the Predators have notably been associated with Xenomorph XS121, known to them as Kiandi, aka Hardmeat, whom they revere as perhaps the most worthy of all prey. They have been known to deliberately breed the creatures from captive queens in order to hunt them, often as part of initiation rituals for young predators. Yutra technology is distinctive in many respects, not least of which is its unusual combination of ornate tribal appearance, masking deadly, sophisticated weaponry. However, despite the species' obvious technological prowess, including access to adaptive camouflage and plasma weaponry, traditional ancient weapons such as blades, knives, and spears are still employed widely and considered more honorable than advanced technology. That's why they like to use them for kills up close. Yucha culture also centers on ritualistic hunting of other dangerous life forms, and this practice appears to be the foundation of their very society. Predators will travel huge distances, even across entire galaxies, in order to face opponents they consider a worthy challenge. They may also kidnap and transport prey across similar distances to bring such victims to a hunting ground of their choice. That's basically all this predator, why he was dropped off on Earth, was to prove himself and to hunt humans. That's why he's been there, and that's why predators have been doing it there for centuries on Earth. The Yucha have a long and involved history with humans on Earth dating back to ancient times. Evidence suggests that the Yucha influenced the development of early human civilizations, including the ancient Egyptians, the Khmer Empire, the Aztecs, and a largely undocumented culture inhabiting what is now modern-day Antarctica. Upon their arrival in ancient times, the predators were worshipped as gods. I believe they showed this in one of the sequels. AVP. AVP, yeah. Alien vs. Predator. Yeah. Uh, because that, oh yeah, it takes They're place in the, in the, the pyramids. The pyramids. Yeah. And, they in turn, and, and they in turn taught these early humans how to construct the pyramids, explaining why so many ancient civilizations shared distinctly similar cultures and architecture. These pyramids and temples were often used as hunting grounds by the Yucha. And also, speaking of the character design of the Predator, Jean-Claude Van Damme, we all know, was originally cast as the Predator in this film, was even filming at the time. However, he was fired from the film with the old Predator design and this big suit he was using. It was like yeah, a, it, was it was like a, weird, a bug. It, it looked like a bug more than a uh, villain. Like a giant yeah. bug, dog like a power face alien. Villain. It was yeah. silly looking and it was not. It was hard to move. And he actually was fired from constant dehydration. He passed out a few times. And this was actually backed up, backed up by actor Bill Duke claiming that Jean-Claude Van Damme was fired from dehydration despite the production saying at the time that it was other reasons. So this is a quote from Bill Duke. So he had a stealth suit on, they put him on wires, and they flew up in the trees with the wires on his back like he was flying. He had passed out twice from dehydration, and that's when the produ the producer finally fired him the second time. They redesigned the Predator into something more agile and scarier, and that's when uh, it was cast with Kevin Peter Hall, who is also much taller than Jean-Claude Van Damme, as this new Predator. And speaking of the design of the Predator, legendary designer, what's his name? Uh Dan Winston. Oh wow, he did designed Predator? the Predator after the studio while filming was like we need to redesign. They they offered the job up to a lot of people in the industry. Stan Winston came up with he won the bid to design the new Predator. And he had a final design he thought and then he actually bumped into James Cameron who was obviously doing stuff for Aliens and he showed the designs to James Cameron, and James Cameron's the one who came up with the idea to give mandibles to an alien to the Predator, and that's why. Because James Cameron's like, I've never seen that with an alien before. Let's mm -hmm. let's do something with with mandibles. And Winston took the suggestion and created the mandibles for the Predator, and so they came up with the redesign real quick and made it practical. And because they were going to use visual effects in post production to enhance the 
very mediocre design suit that they were using with Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah, I've seen uh, some sketches of um, uh, art of the original design of the of the creature, and it it looked more like a, a giant bug than anything, and it it wouldn't have worked. It would it definitely would not have looked right, especially the way it moved. So I think having um and it wasn't humanoid really; it was more insect like. And so having a creature that was more humanoid and having a star performer also, Jean-Claude Van Damme also thought he would be, at, there was a confusion because of the language barrier with him at the time. He didn't speak great English. He thought he was going to be on camera the whole time. and Out of a suit. Yeah, out of the suit and would be able to showcase his martial arts abilities. But they really just hired him just to do the cloaking uh, device uh, sequences. And so he was very confused about what his job was on the set, and uh, I don't think anyone there spoke his language. So I think he obviously became very efficient in English and fluent. But I think this is very early in his career. He thought this was going to be his big break, and apparently, I read it was very difficult for him. Uh, no one, he couldn't really understand what was going on. And so I'm sh- put yourself in his shoes, like you're trying to break out in America, and you're in this ridiculous Power Rangers red suit. And you look like a giant bug. It, it probably it was probably hell for him. And also getting he's also not that tall. He's I believe he's five eight, five seven. And when you have him up against Arnold, I mean the height difference. Arnold's huge. And so hiring someone who was seven ten, seven foot two, the stunt actor who ended up playing the Predator, much more effective. Plus he's got like these giant feet, which I'm sure gave him a little bit more of an incline. And so when he's standing next to Arnold or Carl Weathers. It looks like a much more imposing foe as well as using the camera tricks to show the real size of the Predator. Who seem, It looks like the Predator is about 8 feet tall maybe. On average they're about yeah. 7, some are 8 feet tall. And the the suit actually was so heavy, even though the stunt performer was a, a large guy being over 7 feet tall, the suit of the Predator weighed 200 pounds in total. And so for he was unable to stand and walk around in the suit on his own. So what the crew did to make up for that was they tied him to some wires to help him move. So the wiring uh, tied to his suit helped take, helped alleviate a lot of the weight. So no, every sequence of the predator moving around walking, he's actually stra- strapped to wires above him to give him the ability to be able to withstand all that weight. So the suit looks amazing. It was probably very difficult to work with. So kudos to that stunt actor for doing a terrific job of performing as as the Predator, really terrific. Now, speaking of the bright red suit, someone might be consu- confused, like, why was he wearing a red yeah. suit? So the invisibility cloaking, which is one of the great functions of the Predator's technology, they actually did this. They were nominated for an Oscar for Best Visual Effects with this movie. The invisibility cloaking effect was achieved with a bright red suit because it was the farthest opposite of the green jungle in the blue of the sky. And it was the entire size of the Predator. The red was removed with chroma key techniques, leaving an empty area. The take was then replaced without the actors using 30% of the wire lines on the camera. So that was how they did the invisibility cloak sequencing. And then also another... Oh, uh, sorry. And that's why generally green screens are used. uh, Because green is a color that's less often used on a set. Sometimes blue screens are used, especially for outdoors. If there's going to be grass or trees or bushes, you want the whatever you're going to eliminate in post-production has to be a color that's not already in the shot. So in, like he said, red, because there's no actual red in these shots. Oh, yeah. Let me continue with, so they take the shot with the guy in the red suit who was Jean-Claude Van Damme. I mean, the actor at the time. Mm-hmm. So with the even the new redesign. So he's wearing the big red pink suit. And then they take another, they do another take of filming and then they, without anyone in the shot, and then they combine them optically. The jungle from the second take filled in the empty area. And they're able to create that vague outline of the alien with the effects in post-production. Now, another great technology that the Predator uses for hunting is the thermal infrared sensor vision. 
so that he can pick up on heat signatures in the area. So this is possible from heat and light are both parts of the electromagnetic spectrum, but a camera that can detect visible light won't see thermal energy and vice versa. So for the thermal vision, infrared film could not be used because it did not register in the range of the body temperature wavelengths. The filmmakers used an inframetrics thermal video scanner because it gave good heat images of objects and peoples, especially from a distance. The glowing blood was achieved by green liquid from glow sticks mixed with personal lubricant for texture. So you probably it's don't really get, glowing. Yeah, you don't wow. want to get that on your fingers. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, <laughs> that's pretty toxic. The 1980s and 90s, man, they're yeah. like, oh, if it's toxic, oh whatever. Oh, my God. <laughs> like some of those toys from the 90s for sure. Electric sparks were rotoscoped animation using white paper pins registered on the electrical sparks were rotoscoped animation using white paper pins registered on portable light tables to black and white prints of the frames. <laughs> that means that they just they filmed that separately and then they put it on top of the film of the movie and that inserts it. That's how they did Star Wars lightsabers. Yeah, and then additional visual effects mainly for the opening title sequence of the Predator arriving to Earth, Earth which is so cool. It's kind of like the thing. Yeah, were supplied by Dream Quest images who later won Oscars for their work on The Abyss and Total Recall. Yeah, and, you know, the visual effects, I mean, it obviously looks hammy compared to now, but, in I mean, if you watch it, we watched it in the 90s, and it looks so real. And also, something that might throw viewers off, if you haven't seen this before, what might throw you off is the lighting. Um, sometimes the lighting can be a little too bright, especially during some of the night sequences. Uh, but keep in mind, like, they're using film cameras. They didn't have the uh, sophisticated lighting techniques that uh, many crews do new have now, even if they're shooting on film. Also, they're shooting in dense jungle. They probably were very limited with what they could do. So at some point, they're like, this area is so dark, we just need to throw a light on there. They're shooting fast. So uh, keep, bear in mind that the lighting can be a little off sometimes, but ju that's just like filmmaking back in the 80s, especially on a low budget. And also not using digital cameras, using using film cameras. A lot harder to work with, especially in an environment like this. But I think they did a fantastic job lighting this this movie. Uh, the cinematography is really fantastic. Uh, I love some of the shots um, that we get of Empty Jungle. Uh, McTiernan did a terrific job of always, like, transition shots. He would start, like, on the open jungle of the tree line, and then he'll, he'll pan the camera over to characters, just implying that, the predator could be anywhere, and it's he did it. Like yeah, alien. he did a terrific job of showcasing the environment and creating a lot of paranoia for the audience. It's like Alien when Ripley's in the hallways, and like the exactly. alien could be anywhere. It's like camouflage. Mm -hmm. So like, as you can see, a ton of influence from Alien on this project, and it's actually cool that they combined for a franchise because there have been now five solo Predator movies since since the conception of the character in the script. It was formerly owned by 20th Century Fox. That's why, who also owned Alien at the time, that's why they're able to combine the, uh, the, the universes together. Yeah. So the five solo Predator movies are Predator, Predator 2, Predators, The Predator, and Prey, and also Alien vs. Predator and Alien vs. Predator Requiem. Requiem. And Origins. Yes, and even though this is coming out on Hulu, 20th Century Property is now owned by Disney because Disney now owns 20th Century Fox, and 20th Century Fox had a huge stake in Hulu. So actually, Hulu is mostly owned by Disney, even though Comcast, I believe, owns 33% of Hulu. Disney owns their respective percentage as well as the controlling interests and operating control of the entire company. I'm so, sure Comcast wants to buy them out. Like you but think they can't. Hulu's it's a separate thing, but nope. Disney's like secretly owns everything. They're on the umbrella. They they own, own yeah, everything. you can see the Hulu logo on Disney Plus sometimes. So hopefully they keep making Predator movies and Alien movies that are hard R or P hard PG 13s because they need to be that. Yeah, I think so because we were actually talking about this the other day how Deadpool and Logan and Deadpool 2 are being added onto Disney Plus if they haven't already ready i think they are and it's hard ours 
And since Disney owns Fox, Fox has a large library of films and TV shows, and they have a lot of great rated R movies, and they're not going to put those on Disney+. Plus. So even though Disney owns them, I don't see the vast majority of these movies being on Disney+. Plus. They're instead going to license these movies to other streaming sites and also put them on Hulu. So they'll let Netflix buy a move, license a movie for a couple of years, or they'll let HBO Max, Paramount Plus, license movies for years or, or so. So I don't see movies like this. Uh, many of Fox's R-rated movies ever ending up on Disney+. Plus. Let's talk some more about the design of the Predator and some of his equipment. Because, like you were talking about earlier when he takes the mask off, it is like, what the hell is that? He's got like four pincers for his mouth and creepy eyes and different language. And he's kind of got like reptilian skin and they're huge and long claws, just incredibly strong fast great climbers and just i would say not reptilian amphibian skin okay maybe like a, a frog's type skin not like a lizard yes but i love the equipment specifically the bio helmet bio mask whichever you want to call it as well as performing the basic functions of protecting the predator's head the helmet also grants the wear access to multiple vision modes including zoom capabilities thermal infrared vision facilitates vocal mimicry and includes breathing apparatus diagnostics and visual and audio recording systems including the video recorder and voice recorder another feature of the predator's helmet is that voice translator and recorder he can both record and play strips of audio which the predator may use to catch a prey off guard to tease him like he does with i think it's billy he does it a couple of times and then yeah. also he can study the language and even get translations sometimes i also love the wrist blades which are the, the most, gauntlet one blade, of the most yeah. iconic weapons in film history for action and sci-fi the wrist blades known as the gauntlet knives are the most basic of yucha weapons and arguably the species signature armament and again it's it's more honorable to use these to kill prey that's why he likes to use it he uses it against yeah it's like an extension of its fist yeah you yeah. see multiple times in the film obviously the wrist gauntlet is really interesting as well also known as the wrist bracer or wrist computer is a wrist worn yucha technology it houses several technologically advanced features including a satcom and a powerful self-destruct device as well as controls for a predator's cloak the invisibility cloak and in some cases their plasma cast or some risk gauntlets also included energy fletchets or power punch gloves the medicamp also known as medikit is a powerful and versatile first aid kit used by the yucha to treat wounds while on a hunt he uses it in the film obviously the flaying tool is a y-shaped in it a y-shaped prong space a y-shaped prong that is meant to be grabbed at the bottom and emits a laser form between the two prongs to essentially help skin their victims a lot skin their victims and peel skin off already flayed trophies like with the smoke and everything that he does to yeah. make these perfectly clean skulls as trophies when my probably my favorite aspect about the predator well first of all i love the dreads too the dreads are great but i love how the predator uh there it's not wearing a suit it's wearing you know garb and here and there it's covering fishnets. So, yeah fishnets <laughs> But it's not wearing a suit, it, and it really feels like it's like this. Uh, it's a futuristic being. Well, not futuristic, but it's a highly intelligent being with incredible technology, and yet it's it's stripped down, and it's more like it's like a caveman hunter than it is a like a alien. And I I like that aspect where it's like it's exposed. It's not covered in armor. It it, it shows its respect for the things it's hunting. Uh, because like it would be on it doesn't try to take too many unfair advantages and i like how it, Even it has a plasma yeah pistol. plasma pistol <laughs> well they have guns yeah so it's it that's fair but when when he's fighting dutch he takes off the cannon you know what i mean but i really like how it's like he's like an alien caveman if you look at the outfit it's very like he's very vulnerable 
And I, I like that aspect rather than just being like heavy duty, armored up, like just covered in a suit. I like the exposed aspect of the, of the entire wardrobe. Yeah, it makes them vulnerable, like you said, for their most dangerous game. It makes it somewhat more of a fair fight. Mm -hmm. Now, how about we head on into our intermission before we get more into Predator? Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by Zavi, the leader in popular culture. Use our coupon code RAIDERS at Zavi.com. That's Z-A-V-V-I.com and get up to 30% off all sorts of collectibles, merch, and clothing from your favorite franchises. Zavi has a great assortment of merchandise from the Predator franchise. We got an excellent Blu-ray steelbook of the original film, as well as this very cool Predator action figure, which is adorning our set now. They are the one-stop shop for all things merchandise, anime, Lego. They got all sorts of franchises from your favorite movies to TV shows. Whatever you can think of for merchandise, they got you covered. They also have a free magazine called The Lowdown on their website. Head on over to that magazine and check out the great articles they have featuring insiders of the film industry. So go to Zavi.com, that's Z-A-V-V-I.com. Use our coupon code Raiders at checkout. You'll get up to 30% off all sorts of collectibles, merchandise, steelbooks, clothing from your favorite TV series and franchises of all time. Let's begin the intermission and start with the movie quote competition. I have two. So one's from Anthony DeMeo and the other's from me. DeMeo! This is from Anthony, who is making us an amazing sign, which will be here soon. He's the man. For the wall. Now, a tribe of asparagus children. They're self-conscious of how their pee smells. (laughs) Say it again. A tribe of asparagus children. They're self-conscious of how their pee smells. Elf. Yes. Nice. And then this yeah, one's... it's when they're pitching uh, kids' books. Yeah. Uh, Andy Richter. Yeah. <laughs> no, not Richter. Is it Richter? Or, is... or is it... who else is in that scene and... with him? No, the guy from Conan. Is that him? Andy. The guy from who? Conan. Yeah. Oh, oh Andy. Yeah, Andy Richter. That's his name. That's his last yeah. name. Oh, I thought it was something yeah. else. Oh, yeah. Never That's mind. That's his name. All right. Um, I th- believe. This one's for me. Someone's going to fact check us. You're a funny guy, Sully. I like you. That's why I'm going to kill you last. Commando. Yes, sir. <laughs> I thought you said I was gonna, you were going to kill me last. I lied. <laughs> I love that movie. All right. Here's my quote. A good death is its own reward. Oh, my God. Why am I blanking on this? A good death is its own reward. Yeah, I know it. Fuck. Um, shit. A good death is its... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> It's you got it. You it's got a it. female character. Oh my god! What is it? I am blanking. What's the movie? Holy crap! This is a movie I really love too. I know it. Oh yeah, you love it. <laughs> You're gonna be really mad if you get it wrong. <laughs> I got it. Yeah, Feyora and Man of Steel. Correct. <laughs> oh man, I there was... you go. <laughs> I thought it was gonna be a softball for you. Me too, man. <laughs> Woo! Sometimes you just have those brain farts, you know. Yeah. All right, guess this movie release here. Conan the Barbarian. I'm going to go with 1981. 82. Ah, darn it. So close, man. Guess this movie release here. Boys in the Hood. Sipping gin and juice. 19... Let's see. How young? Cuba is so young in this movie. 
So it was uh, Lawrence Fishburne. I did a Lawrence Fishburne themed. I'm going to go 19. Uh, I feel like. I'm feeling like it's late 80s, but also early 90s. Crap. I'm going to go 1989. 91. 91. Close. 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 Movie pop quiz time. What was Arnold Schwarzenegger's first movie? Oh, I know this. He's helping a guy lose weight or get in shape. Um, I don't know the name of it. It's actually Hercules in New York. Oh, Hercules in New York. It's his first like acting credit of all time. Oh, wow. And it was like the first thing he did when he moved to America mm-hmm. in terms of acting roles. And it's <laughs> you can find clips of it on YouTube. It's pretty funny. I got to see this. It's like very low budget. Very, oh, I can imagine. Very yeah. independent. But yeah. It's, it's a movie, technically. Guess this pop quiz question. What Tom Cruise movie did Lawrence Fishburne star in? Tom Cruise, Lawrence Fishburne? Hmm. What were they in together? I don't think it's something this century. Let's see. It's a good question. It's a good question. That is solid. Lawrence Fishburne, Tom Cruise in the same movie. Um, Lawrence Fishburne's the star of it. Stars in it. He's not stars Tom Cruise it. is the star, but he's a a major part of the cast. I don't know. Mission Impossible Three. Oh my gosh, he's works for. He's an ally of Ethan Hunt. Yeah, <laughs> helps him get out. Yep. <laughs> gotcha. You gotcha. Got All right, who we got for haters or unsubscribes this week? We got anyone? Anyone yeah, we interested? Got some. Uh, in our drag tattoo clip. Stephen Hang Stephen Haig wrote, by the way, love the con- podcast, but it's not Daniel Craig. It's pronounced Daniel Craig. The <laughs> I is silent in Craig. Unsubscribed. <laughs> and then uh, in our movie awards episode, Dr. Batman wrote, Secrets of Dumbledore was actually the 11th Wizarding World movie, not the 9th. Seriously, do you guys even research, bro? Unsubscribe. Research. <laughs> we have a great five-star review. This is from Keenan Scott. Oh, Keenan. Best podcast out. Truly one of the best podcasts around and my go-to destination for film content. There's nobody I rely on heavier for movie news and analysis than James and Anthony. I'm proud to say I'm a hu- I've am been a huge fan since their first TikTok video in early 2020. Wow. Holy crap. Wow. I, I don't remember what the first one was. I can't remember. I it was don't know. Maybe like, was it like Harrison Ford or something? Maybe. Their greatest strength is that they cover all the best films. Their appreciation for greats like Scorsese, Nolan, and Fincher is music to my ears. They have a truly extensive knowledge of film, yet their opinions are not pretentious or dated. Where they really shine is the longer episodes where they have time to delve into the details of a film. You can tell they really do their homework. I can't say enough about these guys. I get excited when they put out new content. Love you guys. Love you too, Keenan. Thanks, Keenan. That's wow. really nice. That's really yeah. sweet. That's great. This is a fun one too, this episode. Oh, yeah. We're going really deep analysis here. Yeah. We love Predator. <laughs> We also have a Godfather shout-out today. Who is it? Today's Godfather shout-out is Luke Eccleston. Luke! Luke has been a big fan of the show and supporter of us the for a while. The daughter's wedding, you became Luke, a Godfather. Luke, we made you an option. You couldn't refuse. Luke's awesome. Yeah, we love you. He's always interacting with us. and uh, He's been a supporter of the show on our Patreon for a while now. And Luke picked Back to the Future for his bonus episode. Heck yeah. It'll be a lot of fun. Can't I, love re- I always love revisiting that. We actually yeah. have an out-of-time license plate. Over here. Where? 
Over behind you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I stole it. You stole it from You got Jurassic Park, so I took Back to the Future. (laughs) That's fair. Yeah. Now, again, thanks, Luke, for your support. On this day in film history, today is August 4th. Not a lot going on, but we have in 2000, Coyote Ugly was released. In 2005, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia premiered. In 2006, Talladega Nights came out. If you ain't first, you're last. 2017, Wet Hot American Summer, 10 years later, was released. And happy birthday to Billy Bob Thornton and Daniel Day Kim. Now, my streaming recommendation for this episode is Flight, which just got added to Netflix this August. Great movie. Thanks, man. Zemeckis. Denzel. My streaming recommendation is also a Netflix movie. Big Fish is also now on Netflix. Tim Burton's great film with Ewan McGregor. Check it out if you have not. Raiders of the Lost Podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Manscaped.com. You might not notice, but but on the wrist gauntlet, the Predator also has a lawnmower 4.0 groomer for while he's in the woods. Use our coupon code Raiders of the Lost at checkout to get your own lawnmower 4.0 groomer with 20% off and free shipping on their entire site. The lawnmower 4.0 groomer, it's skin safe, 7,000 RPM motor, waterproof, has a built-in light, wireless charger. You can use this thing in the shower. You got to get on it. I highly recommend also Manscaped's Boxer Briefs 2.0, which we got a couple pairs in. And I'm telling you, if I was stuck in the jungle for several days fighting against a predator, I would just be so grateful to be wearing my Manscaped Boxer Briefs 2.0 because they are beyond comfortable. Manscaped has so many other products like body wash, 2-1 shampoo, conditioner, deodorant, which we are constantly using. So get to manscaped.com. Use our coupon code Raiders of the Lost at checkout and you'll get 20% off and free shipping on your entire order today. Our episode is also sponsored by our great friends at movieposters.com. Use our special coupon code at their website, Raiders10, to get 10% off your order today. MoviePosters.com has a gigantic selection of pretty much every movie and TV show imaginable in their arsenal of posters. They also have all sorts of framing, backlighting, and all sorts of poster sizes for your needs. They got you covered. Our set is decked out with a bunch of these amazing posters. We love them. We know you love them too. So again, for all of your poster needs, head on over to MoviePosters.com and use our promo code raiders 10 to get 10% off your order today. Now let's get back into our discussion on Predator. Something that I just really love about this movie and just the, you know, the 80s, 90s action movies is just the 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 muscles, the biceps, like it's so there's so much in like the costumes in this movie make no sense in terms of like actual commandos and special ops officers. Like Arnold, does, the only sleeves Arnold wears are in the polo shirt he wears in the opening, and that's it. <laughs> like he's just constantly sleeveless. Carl Weathers, like all these guys, just like no no sleeves on their arms at all, even though they're in a special ops situation. But that's what people are going to see it for. We want to see these larger than life characters, these impossibly strong men taking on this enemy and that's part of the appeal of the film and this kind of movie obviously like you said early in the episode it's not for everyone but i love it like carl weathers and schwarzenegger just doing that arm wrestling match is just like so amazing and legendary i I love this stuff and stallone with the same stuff with all of his great movies like like um like rambo especially first blow part two when you're like all cut up Got any tips? Got any Got tips? tips? Got any tips? <laughs> <laughs> Traffic thunder for y'all. But I love these kinds of movies. And it's what we grew up on, and it's just fun to see. It doesn't have to be in every movie, but I, I do miss the days of this. Yeah, Arnold didn't become a world-famous actor because of his acting chops. <laughs> Still pretty good, but Carl Weathers is the best performer in this yeah, movie. Yeah, he's That a great guy actor. is such a great actor. Yeah. 
Um, and he has probably the most dialogue of anybody in this movie, I would say. Carl Weathers is all over this film. Yeah, he's got a ton to say, and he's just a terrific performer in the movie. But yeah, the outfits make no sense. It's, it, like, maybe uh, Mac is the only one whose outfit makes yeah. sense, and like Poncho and some of them, because they're actually wearing sleeves and shirts. And because you're in the jungle, of course, it's hot as hell, but like, you got to be worried about mosquitoes, insects getting scratched with by stuff all the time, yeah. and, and, and abrasions. Poisonous plants. Poison yeah. ivy. Like, yeah. who knows what's all over the place? Yeah. So, like, wearing, a, like, Carl Weathers wearing a vest that's unbuttoned <laughs> makes no <laughs> sense. But it's great. And, you know, these guys put so much work into their bodies. And that's, like Anthony said, was part of the appeal of seeing there these There are movies. superheroes. They are. Yeah. And, I mean, Carl Weathers was even on record in an interview saying that he actually made it seem like his body was like natural physique. So he would get up at 3 a.m. before filming to hit the gym real hard. And he wouldn't work out with everybody else because he wanted to make it seem like he's just like a different level of being like a natural natural yeah. physique. So like he kind of he, he was kind of messing with the crew. And I mean, the that's rest pretty of the funny. Cast. Whereas like Arnold and them, they, they were all getting up early and they were all like had this competition of like macho. I got the biggest arms. And even Jesse Ventura after he was who was a wrestler. Yeah, he's yeah. world famous, uh, huge wrestler in the United States at the time, and actually became governor of yeah. what, what state? I can't remember. Um, Nevada, like Nevada, or yeah, North I Dakota, Nevada. Or some, yeah. some random state. He became the the governor of in the United hey, it's States. It's not some random state. It's a, a great state, a, a whatever state. it was. <laughs> <laughs> and so when he was doing his fittings with the costume department, he found out that his arms were just as big, if not maybe a little bigger than Arnold Schwarzenegger's. So that's why he was he went up to Arnold one day on set. He's like he's like, yeah, I heard I, I have bigger muscles than you. Little did he know that Arnold told the costume department to let him think this so that he could like create like the rivalry between <laughs> them. And so then Arnold's like, oh, you want to measure arms? And then he measured arms with Arnold was was way short because Arnold. Arnold's biceps are massive, even though Arnold lost 20, a ton. He lost 25 pounds to be in this movie, and he was this big. That's how enormous Arnold Schwarzenegger was in his prime. He was obviously even bigger when he was Mr. Olympia so yeah. many times, but he was huge outside of Predator as well. So he lost 25 pounds of muscle, and he's still this enormous. Yeah, maybe not everyone understands how big he was. Like when he was Conan, he was still very big, and but when he was Mr. Olympia, he was just so massive. But to be able to act in movies, he had to cut. A lot on that weight because he was just so gigantic. It wouldn't. It would cut for two things. It probably would have been difficult to keep that um that muscle building and that muscle while you're filming twelve hours a day, uh, and also it probably would have just seemed a little out of place him being so gigantic compared to other actors. So I think it was smart for him to cut a lot of weight and just because like if like the actors who keep on that much weight like Hemsworth while he was filming Thor: Love and Thunder, he had, had to eat like twelve times a day. And it's hard just to keep that muscle on. And, and Hemsworth is still smaller than Arnold was. So yeah. Arnold was just like on a different level than anyone else has in terms of acting. Well, and then The Rock right now, Dwayne Johnson, yeah. he, we all know he travels with his Iron Paradise, which is his mobile gym that he has an entire crew builds before at every production he's working on so that he can work out for like two, three hours before filming begins. So that's what it takes for somebody like, like The Rock to stay that big as well. And you could probably say that The Rock is like the modern day embodiment of what Arnold Schwarzenegger was in terms of like the, being the biggest, strongest action star out there. Oh, absolutely. And if you remember in the rundown, The Rock's one of his big leading roles. Um, he did Walking Tall and The Rundown. Sean William Scott, too. Yeah, Stifler. Sean William Scott, yes. Is in, uh, <laughs> and Rosario Dawson's on it as well. I remember I really liked it. Christopher Walken's the villain. <laughs> but in The Rundown, Arnold Schwarzenegger makes a little cameo. And because he had a lot of respect for The Rock, and he was like basically like passing the mantle in that movie of like, you're the next big gigantic huge jacked action movie star 
and I give you my blessing. So if you look, Schwarzenegger has like a 30-second cameo in that movie for it's that really reason. It's cool. But aside from the muscles and stuff, this is still a really great script. It's a really great original idea. Like we said, it's the most dangerous game basically except with a massive, highly advanced alien versus humans with huge muscles, which is so cool and so fun. And again, I just want to bring up the music again because Alan Silvestri, who you all know, modern day has like done the the themes and the music for the Avengers films, and still is working today in a lot of projects. But like he did the music for this film, and one of my favorite pieces of sound design combined with the music that goes on in the Predator is when we're switching constantly back and forth from the jungle of the characters to the Predator vision, jungle of the characters, Predator vision. Predator vision is really cool. We have the sound design of like his internal mechanics and this maybe the software he's he's got in his ears so we kind of can hear what the predator is hearing with like the echoey voices that he's hearing through his mask and the bios the bio mask and then we cut to back and forth to the great bombastic score of alan silvestri and there's a couple of great scenes where he's tracking the humans as it goes predator sound effects to bombastic score sound effects bombastic score whatever is being on screen it's really fun and it's got a great rhythm and pacing to it the sound design is really terrific, especially the Predator's voice. Uh, and and the, the voice actor who voiced the Predator, he actually came up with a lot of the, the Predator's sounds in terms of like it's like this gurgling and, and like this clicking sound. So Peter Cullen, he's a, he's a famous voice actor. He's most famous for voicing um, Optimus Prime in all the Transformers. Uh, but he came up with a, a lot of the sound effects for what the Predator would sound like because the crew, had they didn't really have an idea of what, what this being would would sound like the human ears and so i love the sounds that like these clickings and gurgling sounds that the predator makes for its language i also really like how it can speak english but it's also you gotta remember the thing's an animal so the way it hears is different from humans and the way it sees is different from humans when he takes his mask off he always sees his red with like highs and lows of, of shadow and also when he takes his mask off uh, sound is a higher pitch um it's got this like squeaky like if you sped up my voice, it would be higher pitched. Like that's what he he sound what um sounds sound like to him. And then the mask basically like uh, controls everything from visual and auditory perspective and enhances it to improve his vision and improve his hearing. So I like how they approach it of like it's an animal, just like other animals here on Earth. Um, cats and dogs have different kinds of vision. Horses have different kinds of vision from human beings, and also they hear things differently. So I like how they approach it of an aspect of like, this isn't just like an alien. It's like, it's like an alien, an animal, and it would be, it would, it would have different auditory and visual stimulations than a human being does. So I like the, the approach they have with that. And also what I really love about the predator is there's no explanation. There's no backstory. Nobody like figures out what it's here for. Oh, it's here to hunt. It's from this place. And, they did that in the other movies, and sometimes, I mean, it doesn't really work, and I like having the mystery. Um, there's no need to explain what this thing is, where it came from, what its goal is. All we know is that it's hunting people, and that's all we need to know, and that really makes it better. And outside of the Predator tracking and killing the humans, which is basically a subplot up until the second, third act of the film, it's a solid action flick. Yeah. And up until then, it's a solid like rescue mission. So his team, Dutch's team... He specifically points out to um, Dylan. Dylan, why do I keep forgetting Dylan's Dylan. name? I don't know why I can't remember it. Um, he keeps pointing out to Dylan that we're not hitmen, we're not assassins, we're a rescue team. Even even though we find out that Dylan basically 
lied to Dutch in order to get his team in there to stop the smugglers, which he used the hostages, the hostages as a ploy to get Dutch to sign on, saying that it's an it's a rescue mission. When really he's just cleaning up. It was a hit Dylan's job. Dirty work. Yeah. And, and like Dylan's just all he wanted was the intel and to stop these smugglers from getting their their weaponry wherever they were going across the border. And so we got great betrayal going on there. We have conflicting interests between the CIA and other forms of government. Yeah, the soldiers have no respect for him after they they keep calling him Agent Man. Yeah, but I, I like the, like how we have an understanding that these guys they're not killers of just to be assassins. They're they're rescue teams. So I, I really like the aspect of it, of so we get behind them and their actions as well. You know, Dutch versus Dylan's rivalry is really great. We understand that they have respect for each other in the first part of the film. They've probably worked together in special ops. They both have that lighter from whatever mission they were on. But now Dutch has lost complete respect for Dylan when he finds out that he just lied to them, he betrayed them. And then we find out through a little nuggets throughout the film from the character's perspective that there's something else going on. These bodies that we found are skinned alive. And these were Green Berets, some of the greatest soldiers on the planet Earth ever and they couldn't even stand up to what they think were just the 12 gorillas billy's tracking the gorillas but he's also finding other army boots which we find out were the green berets and other teams that were sent in that were killed by something and then they're finally realizing that there's something else in the woods besides the the gorillas because even though after they attacked the gorillas and saved one of the hostages and which is just a crazy action sequence oh my god arnold lifting up the truck and sending it on its way it's It's great great there there are so many grenades launched in that in that action scene it's just like everyone has a grenade launcher like so many bullets sprayed in this film so many dudes jumping and falling in slow motion it's all the action i love i love the all stunt work like the real stunt work and seeing like there's an explosion happening with stuntmen right there and they're so like they're jumping off from an explosion like it's crazy there's a great shot unbelievable of, of dutch when he's behind a tree he shoots the grenade launcher at one of those things the act there's an actual explosion yeah literally 100 feet behind arnold he, yeah. he gets covered behind the tree it's incredible practical yeah. filmmaking no cgi i love it and it, it can be it's not like it can be a little cheesy a couple times but that's the fun and then we get the one-liners like stick around and what does he say when he opens the door he kicks the door open <laughs> he just shoots the two guys <laughs> i can't Here's remember a great line Knock, knock. <laughs> but yeah, speaking of stunt work, just the opening sequence of them getting there in the helicopter sequence, then you're watching these stunt men. They're going down these, they're really going down ropes from these helicopters. It's all real. It's happening. There's no green screen. It's not an LCD screen behind them. And we just have great filming and great cinematography of these great action sequences and, and just awesome stunt work. It's excellent. And it establishes how talented this crew is, how this how great this team is because they take out an entire camp of enemies and only one of them gets hit by like a straight bullet that's how ta- that's how D- dylan's right where they're the best of the best they're the only ones who could pull us off and that's why even when they come across the predator the predator taking them out is even more impressive for the predator for real and it just slowly reveals the mystery of the predator until you know the first person that get killed is hawkins and his body is just oh my god disappears except for he's just been his intestines are found what happened to him? The the forest came, the jungle came and took him away and disappeared, which is crazy. And then we have the other, the next ki- the next kill is Blaine, who gets shot by the laser beams. And then we have that crazy shootout in the woods where like maybe ten thousand bullets they are just sprayed spray the woods. with the mini gun. Yeah. These these guns are so enormous and unnecessarily big, but it's great. <laughs> and it's I love how the predator 
he's a trophy seeking predator hunter and he he comes back for the bodies because he's doing it for trophies and and what's the the woman calls it the demon who makes trophies of men mm. because it's it's been there for so long and her culture knows of this this demon in the jungle that makes trophies of men. I love like this myth of it and it's just probably like this scary story that's passed down from generation to generation of of these this monster which is we find out is an alien different aliens coming to hunt human beings. I love how that really establishes the predator. It's not its first time here, and it's not the first predator that's been here, which is terrific. And I love, like, the Boy Scout booby-trapping scenes where they try at first with their technology, with their tripwires and claymores, but the predator is able to see those with its vision, with, with its biomask, and it slips through undetected while the hog comes in through them, uh, making up a, a show with the fireworks and explosions and everything. But he steals the body under their noses, and then, then they do it with just forced with woods with the woods yeah. with vines with ropes so that it's concealed a lot better which works because arnold was about to get stabbed through the back until it was uh tripped by that wire yeah, using himself as yeah. bait and then obviously the, pre the predator gets away but then the final act the, the third act between the predator and arnold with another booby trapping scheme which ends up working in his favor obviously he when he's on the run from the predator trying to draw it away from everybody else and he falls into the to the river down the waterfall he goes inside the the mud clay which he realizes later on this is using to this is hiding my body heat from the predator it can't see him. he doesn't realize his body heat, but for some reason the predator can't see him when he's covered in it i think he realizes it's heat because that's when he sets the fire as a distraction in that final step piece but i i remember clearly being a kid and watching this movie so many times and always just being so struck by the mud sequence when arnold he's like escape death and fill down these waterfalls the stunt actor who who did that sequence is like wow the, he actually like broke his knee doing one of those falls into the water oh, really yeah did he hit it off like a rock in there or something i think maybe the impact of just the water yeah. was so hard but that guy really did that and it's it's i watched the, we watched this yesterday and the waterfall sequence i was like oh my god that guy's crazy it's <laughs> unbelievable crazy it's unbelievable it's a great shot and then when arnold swims and he he crawls out of the water and he's just sticks his head in the mud. He's like, I made it out alive. And then the predator just like psh, splashes in the water, invisible behind him. And he's like, oh, fuck, I got to get out of here. And he crawls and there's really nowhere to go. And then he hides in the trees. And an image that was so, so strongly imprinted in my mind as a kid of like, this is one of my favorite scenes of the predator. First, the predator is revealed and then it fails to see Arnold. And Arnold's just like stuck there amongst the, the vines and roots of this tree covered in clay it's a really terrific image and then the predator just walking away not seeing him it was an extremely frightening moment the first time i saw it it elicits great fear in that moment and also reveals so much about the predator to arnold to dutch which helps inform him in the upcoming battle i just really love that sequence and all the kills are so unique and, and interesting like obviously it was who is it poncho who who gets killed when he's watching the girl yeah and then also um, Dylan and Max Death is really great because they think that they got the predator cornered. They, yeah. they can see it in the trees, and they're gonna sneak up, up on in it. those trees. I'm gonna have me some fun. I'm gonna have me some fun. I'm gonna have me some fun. And then he gets the laser pointer when he's trying to sneak up on him and blasted through the head. And then Dylan gets taken out where his arm gets shot off, and then he tries to use the other gun. He's got two MP3s, MP5s in his hands. 
He's not fast enough, and the Predator gets him with his wrist blade. So we're seeing different uses of his technology yeah. for the different deaths. Watching, really interesting. watching Dylan get lifted up, but he's just screaming with blood oozing out of his mouth. And then we cut to the crew escaping, and then we just they turn back because they hear Dylan's cries echoing across the jungle. Like, what a moment. And Billy's death is one of my favorite deaths, too, because Billy's a warrior. He's one with nature. He's a great tracker. He's an indigenous American. And so that that's like such a great character. And then he's he knows they're all going to die. It's like there's something out there uh, and it's not a man. Something waiting for us out there. It's not a man. And we're all going to die. He knows he's going to die. And he's going to die on his terms. He's going to die without fear. Facing not whatever, running. Whatever this is, yeah. mano y mano, one on one. He you, he cuts his chest to reveal to the prey that's hunting. I mean, the the predator that's hunting him, the hunter that like I'm not prey. Come after me. Let's go. I'm not afraid of you. And then we don't see his death. We just hear him scream, which is so more so much more effective than if we cut to him getting like the the wrist blade through the chest. We don't or need something. to see it. It's so much better without yeah. seeing it. And this is so many modern action films. They really need to, I think, go back to these old ones and just see the patient filmmaking, the slowing it down and and the suspense building. We don't need to see every single thing, every single punch, every single piece of action. Let's take our time and have some quiet suspense. That's what makes it so intriguing and terrifying. Because when when you hear Billy scream and then it's just the three of them and they look back and it's like, holy crap, it's taking them out so easily and these are some of the best warriors alive. That is just so frightening. You don't have to see it. Like you said, you don't need to show it. Just hearing that scream across the jungle is more than enough. And then it sh- it's this is when it's like the predator is like full on like I'm killing you all. And he just shows up, shoots him. And then he, we get the get to the chopper. Run. <laughs> no, Run. No. Get to the chopper. It's terrific. It's, it's amazing. Kill me. Come kill on. Me. Kill me. What are you waiting for? But when it's when it becomes Arnold versus the predator, this is really what makes the movie special. And. Like, it's the last 30 minutes of this movie. It's one of my favorite third acts. It's really terrific. And it's just, like, the build-up. Both these warriors are preparing. They're cleaning, licking their wounds. And then the Predator is, like, making its new trophy. Arnold is building a huge set. Building booby traps. Booby traps and setting the fire. And he's making bows and arrows. And it's just amazing. And these two warriors preparing for battle. And then when Arnold lights the torch and he just does that, like... George of the Jungle scream, and then the Predator hears it. I love the Predator. He hears Arnold screaming. He's like, damn, this guy ain't messing around. (laughs) He's like, man, should I be scared right now? Maybe I should should get out of here. (laughs) And the the third act, it's so great. He he comes up past him, invisible, and Dutch doesn't realize. He realizes he's there behind him and using the trees as as to move around just like the predator kind of flipping turning the tables on also him. the the mud clay it it takes the predator's strength and gives it to dutch mm-hmm. using the invisibility it's his own invisibility cloak so exactly. the predator is finally had on le- level playing field with someone almost and then you know it's what proves dutch's prowess and allows him to defeat the predator is his intelligence and being as equal as not obviously as strong or as powerful as the predator but using his mind and tricking the Predator multiple times, even though um, he loses the, the effectiveness in the defense of the clay. When, when he, he falls, falls into, into the water, water, I was like, the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, even still when I watched this, when I watched yesterday, he fell into the water. I was like, oh, no, he's going to lose the mud. And then the wrist blades come on either side of his yeah. head. And it's great just that the Predator, like you said, shows him respect by fighting him mano a mano without weapons or anything. But then... Uh, Dutch's great strength was again planning for something like this. He knows that 
he was going to lead the Predator into this tunnel. And he knows the Predator is not an idiot. He had the first plan of the spikes on the wood, which was just there to, yeah. you could tell, as second form of bait to have well, him go on the other yeah. side. And before this, the Predator actually did it to him first, led Arnold into the tunnel with its blood trail yeah. into that first tunnel. So the Predator did this first. And so he he knew that... He's so clever. He's like, obviously, he's gonna, he's just, he's smart. He's intelligent. He's gonna think this is a trap. So have him go on the other side where I have the real trap set for him with the giant tree trunk that I have above his head, taking him out, and it's great. It's, it's amazing when it lands on the predator. I always jump with excitement, like, yeah, you got him. And the thing about the predator is they're such great hunters. But one thing about them is they do not like to lose. Predators hate being killed, and if they get an opportunity where. They're about to die. They will take you out with them every time with the giant nuclear explosion. Mimicking Billy's laugh. Yeah, it's terrific. I love the ending and the tick, the the ticking clock, and it just takes a moment for it to. We don't understand the symbols on the computer, obviously, but once the first screen goes black. And then McTiernan pants to the next screen, and then we realize it's a countdown, and Dutch is like, oh, crap, he's going to get out of here. It's amazing. It's really great filmmaking. Great hero shot where he's just by himself covered in (laughs) dust, dirt, and blood by himself in this nuclear wasteland in the jungle. Smoke everywhere being picked up by the helicopter. It's incredible. It's an incredible ending. Really, just a perfect action movie. One of the best sci-fi horror action movies of all time. It's yeah. up there. Yeah, and it's, it's Last Man Standing and Arnold being Arnold. What I love about this movie, too, is it's, it's really Arnold being, like, the most Arnold in, like, the cigars, the style, the hair. It's, it's like, the tan. That's, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger. The sweating. He's, they just, he just <laughs> put himself into this movie, which I love. It, I, it's, like, it's terrific, and I've seen this movie a lot, and what really separates it from a lot of other action movies and a lot of sci-fi movies is... It's just got such a high rewatch value. It's always entertaining. And I know it front and back. I can quote it. I know everything that's going to happen. But still, like you said, when that third act comes around and it's one to one versus one, I'm always like, oh, I still have that in the back of my head. Like, oh, is he, oh he's going to die. He's going to the predator's going to get him still to this day. And that's just a testament to how great the film is. Yeah, and rewatch value is so important to a movie like this. And that's a big problem with a lot of modern-day action films and these sci-fi blockbusters action movies. They don't have high rewatch value, especially the SVOD originals. I mean, not to to name them and name-drop them, but we all know what they are. And as soon as you watch it, you're like, "Ah, I'll never never watch that again. But Predator... I watch this every year. Yeah. Legit. We watched it last year. We watched it the yeah. year before. This it's is a yearly watch. An iconic yeah. movie and constantly I'll put it on in thirty years again and yeah. I'll still love it. I'll still hold it. We'll be up. showing it to your grandkids. This is a real this yeah. is a real action, real action movie. Billy, Billy, this is a real action movie. Dad, can we watch Star Wars seventeen? Shut up. We're watching <laughs> Predator One. <laughs> the original and I hope we haven't seen Prey yet. We have high hopes for it because I like how we're bringing it down to technology, just like the third act of this, where Arnold with bows and arrows, even though he has some gunpowder in some of them, Arnold with bows and arrows, Dutch with bows and arrows and spears and mud going against the Predator takes him out. So I like how we're going to the roots of a prequel series showing, you know, what Predators were like, how they've always been here and stuff like that. The the thing with the Predator franchise is it's a franchise that has an all-time great first movie and then... None of its sequels are very good, which is kind of rare for any kind of franchise. Franchise should usually has a couple of good movies in them. But for some reason they just they haven't been able to really capture that magic again. I feel like they've always gone just way too heavy action, way too big in scope and scale. 
whether it be predators with like there's a ton of predators and there's a ton of other alien animals uh, on this giant planet, whether it be predator in New York with number two or AVP alien versus predator, which is a fun concept, but ultimately it's just like it's just kind of like I mean just them punching each other for a while and that wasn't really that great of a story. And then uh, the recent The Predator made by Shane Black. I love him. He's a great writer and filmmaker, but it was just a big misstep. This, this, the mecha predator. Yeah, the giant predator. <laughs> and also it was just a little too unbelievable where like uh, – and it's a great cast too, but Boyd Holbrook is the lead actor, uh, action star, and he's like the special ops leader. He is Dutch in that movie, but like – for some reason, the the high improbability of his son being a genius and being his son is the one who gets the message from the from the alien ship and is able to, to decipher it. The odds of that happening, of it both being the son of the lead actor of this movie, it, things like that, it was just like so unbelievable and hard to hard to fathom for a lot of times. And uh, the cast is cool, but like it was just it just did not work. But this movie, Prey, it looks cool. They're keeping the scope small. They're keeping the cast small. Seems like one predator. Yes, too. It, it, one predator is the best way to go because one predator is more than enough. You don't that, less is more. This is an example of that. And so I hope it looks like from the trailer. I hope Prey can take that lesson of the failed sequels and really harken back to the original and understand what made the original so great. Yeah, exactly like Jaws. If there are multiple sharks, it's not the same movie. We just saw Nope. If there are multiple aliens, it's not the same movie. Give us just one great villain, one great antagonist, one monster, because that makes that monster so much more moving, so much scarier, so much more impossible to overcome. But when the hero does defeat them, so much that more enjoyable and much better of an experience. And much better. It's it's, it's great. Dylan. It means more when there's just one. It's scarier. It's, yeah. it's harder to overcome. Yeah, I, I'm, but and I just really love this movie. It's one of my favorites. We put it in our hundred movies to see before you die episode. And if it's if we're, when we eventually have to do our hundred favorite movies individually, this is definitely going to be on that as, for sure. Maybe even oh, yeah. top fifty for a favorite movie. Top five. <laughs> we adore Predator. We're so happy that we finally did an episode on it because we, we love this franchise, and that's what's so great about the original movie. Like we said, there's been six movies involving The Predator, seven movies now, and some of them are successful. They still make money, but the only reason why they still keep make, making them, that, that why they've been able to make video games about it, it's because of the original. The original is so good that they've spawned six other mediocre movies. We haven't seen the new one yet, so hopefully that won't be mediocre, but five mediocre movies and hopefully a good one. That's because the of just one movie was so brilliant, so great, so iconic. Do you want to move into some fun facts of the movie? Of course. I did a bunch throughout the episode, but bring up some for you. All right. So Dutch's line, get to the chopper, is Arnold Schwarzenegger's personal favorite catchphrase of all of the films that he's ever done. Wow. Even more than Hasta La Vista. Yeah. Or I'll Be Back. I'll Be Back. Yeah. This is his favorite. Uh, the distinctive clicking and gurgling sound the Predator makes throughout the movie was thought up by Peter Cullen. And so after the producers approached him to give the Predator a voice, he was taken aback because he had no idea what such a creature was supposed to sound like, not to mention the producers were reluctant to show what the character was finally going to look like. They eventually showed him the design, and Cullen, who thought the Predator resembled a crab, remembered that a kid, <laughs> remembered as a kid out, he turned one over and the crab would gurgle, and that became the Predator's main sound. So the Predator... Filming the Predator provided a variety of hardships for the actors, such as dealing with leeches, snakes, stifling humidity, heat, and rough terrain. All of the night scenes were sh were filmed during freezing cold temperatures, 
which was especially hard on Arnold Schwarzenegger during the latter, latter half of the film when the mud he had to wear became cold and wet. The mud that was actually used was actually pottery clay. That's why it didn't like rub off so easily. Now the pro- But the problem with the clay was that it, it reduced his body temperature down a couple of degrees, which is very dangerous. And filming at night, oftentimes wet, it became very difficult for him. And he was shivering nonstop even when they tried to heat him up with heating lamps during filmmaking. He tried drinking alcohol with uh, Jagger tea and schnapps, but it ended up making him drunk. He ended up fighting through it, obviously, because he's Arnold, and it looks great. <laughs> this is actually filmed in the jungles of Palenque, Chiapas, Mexico. Oh, cool. And I believe it was filmed also in March in some other parts of the year, because, so that's why the temperatures drop so low at night. Gotcha, gotcha. That's it for my fun facts. All right, well, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Predator. We love it so much. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to stay tuned for more episodes coming this week, and check out previous ones you haven't tuned into. Become a patron at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Oh, 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 Stick oh, around. Oh, 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 oh. This episode of Raiders of the Lost Podcast has been executive produced through Patreon by our amazing Chosen One patrons, Calvin Cam, Lauren Smertz, Cody Moen, John Agras, Tyler McFly, and Becca Keen. Thank you so much for contributing to our show. Raiders of the Lost Podcast is a mirror image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.